Triple H FM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au, and wherever you get your podcasts. Anthony the Bull Caruso back with you, and we are now into the business end of 2022. It is time for our final few podcasts as we wrap up the comeback year for sport following the COVID lockdowns. And we now go into December with the wrap-up of the 2022 Formula One season. It has been a bit of a changing of the guard this year, and we've got all the discussion points to come out of this year. I can't do this alone. So joining me once again is our chief motoring analyst, the wise man himself, Matt Mears. Good evening to you. Good evening. Great to be here. Ticking off my uh, contracted uh, appearances here on Splinters. I think I've got one more left for the year, but uh, it's always good to be back here on Splinters and uh, always enjoy when we talk Formula One. Absolutely. And and I've got to say, you know, we talk about how exciting last year was in terms of the battle. This year, although it was decided a lot earlier, has really paved the ground, I think, for the changing of the guard. It certainly has. And uh, while we didn't get the, the last lap finish like we did in 2021 for the World Drivers' Championship and a lot of things were decided earlier, there were still a lot of great battles that went on throughout the year. Obviously, the the number two in the Drivers' Championship went down to the last few laps. Um, positions in the Constructors' Championship as well um, went into that final race in Abu Dhabi. So if you're one of those F1 nerds like we are, you, you still had a lot to be invested in. And it also is great to see where that will lead in 2023 and beyond. Cause I'm sure as we talk through the teams, we'll talk a little bit about 2023. Don't, don't worry. We will have a 2023 preview podcast coming up in the new year, but I'm sure we'll still get to talk about some of the things that we've already seen in the RBW tests and, and drivers already changing teams that how we can think that maybe a not so good 2022, will become better in 2023 with some changes coming up. Well, joining us tonight, it's taken us a while to get him back on the show, but boy, are we glad he's he's back with us here. Tace Wiggins, good evening to you. Good evening, boys. Yeah, sorry about the hiatus, but I am back. Uh, keen to wrap the season. It was quite different to the 2021 season, as you say, but still it was, it was really good with the on-track battles and the regulation changes as setting the tone for the future, uh, even though the championship was wrapped up earlier than I think any of us would have liked. But yeah, keen to recap it and keen to see what's going on for the future as well. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with that, the five lights are up. They are about to go out and I can just hear the late, great Murray Walker screaming out and it is go, go, go right here on Splinters. And we're going to kick things off here tonight with our first team in alphabetical order to review. It is Alfa Romeo F1 team Orlean. And we're going to go through what we're going to do is we're going to go through the where they finish in terms of points for the drivers, the constructors, and then go through each of the segments in terms of what went well, what didn't go well, what does the future hold, and then give them a final grading. And to start off with, Mirzi, 
Zhou Guanyu, 18th with six points. I have to say, he showed some solid promise this year. He certainly did. Whether he drove better than an 18th pin position, I, I don't know. I, I don't really want to speculate there. I think he was sort of, that's where he ended up because it's his rookie year. He made some mistakes. He'll be a better driver for it. But as you said, there was some great drives in there, um, some great points finishes, but now it's come to that second year syndrome for him. They've obviously signed him on for another year. He's got probably one of the best in the business in the in in the, in the other side of the garage that should be helping him along. Um, obviously, with China being up again for um, being reinstated into the 2023 calendar, they'll be wanting to have him on the grid for that. But hopefully, it's just a sign of things to come. I think we did see some good driving for him, but we also saw some rookie mistakes as well. I gave him a C in terms of his performance. Did everything expected of him. Any no fuss or histrionics. Still has a lot to learn. What did you give him, Mizzy? I'd have to say about the same. I, I wouldn't put him in like a D minus or an F. Definitely not. But he obviously didn't go out there and uh, and uh, look like a superstar either. He, he was the uh, rookie of the year by virtue of being the only rookie driver on the grid. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's one of those ones where I think Alfa Romeo as a whole is probably better to talk about and, and where they're going rather than just the driver himself. But He's one of those ones where it's good to see we're getting a lot of guys that are there for the future now. They're not just there because they bring cash to the table. And I think he's one of those ones that hopefully in the next couple of years, we see him um, go up the ladder in that World Drivers' Championship. Well, let's go to the other side and then the team as a whole, Tace. And when we got Valtteri Bottas, who flew out of the gates at the start of the year with some barnstorming drives, it sort of tapered away towards the end of the year but it has to be said that he looks rejuvenated since joining Alfa Romeo. Yeah, he's come out in the media multiple times saying things like he's never experienced the freedom that he has at Alfa Romeo uh, with Mercedes or in the past. So he's clearly got control and direction and a voice that is louder than it's been in the past, and he's happy with that. But yeah, I remember the start of the season, he was really raising eyebrows when he was out qualifying Mercedes. Everyone thought it was hilarious with him having been misplaced from there. Um, but yeah, he was strong. I think the car's development maybe petered out towards the middle of the season. And of course, Ferrari's engine dramas wouldn't have helped either. So he did have a, uh, a difficult run, but he looks fresh and he looks like he can deliver results if he's given the car in the future. I gave him a B minus. And then on top of that, Alfa Romeo, I think I gave him a B minus. And oh, I think a much improved performance from, from Alfa Romeo, probably their best season as a team since they took the Alfa Romeo Monaco. And I think, to be honest, probably the best season that they've had since the days when they had Kimi Raikkonen and Felipe Massa driving for them. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Moved up three places in the constructors. So the rule changes were favorable to them. They've really done a good job uh, getting out there with the car. Uh, the engine was up and down, but the start of the season certainly was strong and that surely contributed to Bottas' um, strong run. Uh, I gave him... What did I grade him? I graded him an A. I thought he was consistent. When the car was there, he was always up there, P6, P7 type area. Uh, and I gave the team an A uh, as well for moving up the grid. Mirzi, the other big, two other bits of news to discuss with them. First off, the rumour that Fred Vasseur could be on his way to Ferrari with the expectation that Mattia Binotto is about to be either sacked or demoted. The other one to keep in mind as well is their young protege coming through the ranks in Teo Porcher. 
Well, first off, with the, with the team principal, if he's going to get poached by Ferrari, we've had our many chats over the, the last couple of months on, on how Ferrari's being run at the moment. And I think Brian Freddie could do a better job than who's there at the moment with some of the decisions they've been making. But obviously showing what he's done at, at Alfa at, at, um, Romeo, showing what they can do with the limited package that they've had. And yes, they've had the same. Like I said, it's not just them that have had those Ferrari power unit issues. It, it has been the main Ferrari team as well. So I think they've been able to punch above their weight. As Tay said, they, they finished up three spots in the constructors. That's showing that they're on the right track. And the rule change, the, the the hard reset, so to speak, for 2022 has been in their favour, and I'm, I'm sure he's impressed the the higher ups at um, at uh, Ferrari, and that's why they want to get him on board. and And as for Theo, obviously, uh, he's been impressing again in um, in Formula Two. If I remember reading the uh, if I remember reading the the post uh, Monday. Um, practices at Abu Dhabi right he was well up there as well in the in the timings as well when he got to do some test driver duties he's someone that they should be holding on to and and you would say that maybe 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 2024 if not 2025 they'll be having him looking at uh at Bottas's seats and and grooming him for that spot because uh he looks like he is one of those good ones that are out there in what's is really a generation of 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 um that are coming through that I'm sure we're going to talk more about these young kids coming through as we go through the rest of the teams. Let's move on to Scuderia Alpha Tauri. Um, and after the highs that they'd experienced over the last couple of years, Tace, this was a significant disappointment. Gasly finishing 14th with 23 points, Yuki Sonoda 17th with 12 points and a lowly ninth with 35 points. Yeah, the car just didn't seem to have the stability that it's had in the past few years. Gasly usually shines in this in this car. We've seen since he joined Formula One, all his really spectacular performances have come in a Toro Rosso or Alfa Tauri. Um, this year, they seemed to be quite nowhere. They seemed uh, Sunoda struggled a lot to get out of Q1, and Gasly didn't really put in anything incredible like we've seen from him from the last few years so a struggle for them i think the regulation changes must have hurt them a little bit despite having the incredibly strong you know former honda current red bull powertrain in the back of their car and, and it seems to me Mirzi, that the, the biggest issue that they had and the one that um gasly seemed to complain about the most a very unusual one i mean some of it was brakes which we've heard from a couple of other teams we'll get to that a little bit later on but a constant issue with understeer with this car yeah, and that's something we we haven't heard a lot about in the other in the other cars. Obviously, there were quite a few teams that struggled in the early part of the season. We saw them get better throughout the season with with, and that's always going to happen when you have a, a big of an overhaul of the rule changes as they did this season. Teams are always going to struggle those those first half of that season until they get their heads fully around it, where they've got the cars out on the track, they can make the changes that they need, but. It is one of those ones that I just don't understand. With obviously with with their links to Red Bull, we saw how good that car was. Um, but finishing ninth in the constructors, like that's that's not where AlphaTauri have been. And and you talk, go back to Pierre Gasly. I still remember twenty twenty one. Him winning that uh, Italian Grand Prix was just something special. And you thought that that was that, that meant that team was it was moving from the junior team to a sister team in Red Bull, but. Maybe, maybe, maybe Christian Horner, maybe someone like that didn't like where it was going, and uh, 
They just had to uh, put the thumb on the uh, forehead and you go back in your place, Alpha Tauri. Um, we don't like you up here competing with us, but as I said, I, I, I think they've probably been the biggest disappointment. If if I can't remember where I would have tipped teams earlier in the season, but I'd say this is probably the team where you thought they'd have a chance at fourth or fifth in the constructors to come ninth. Massive disappointment. With it. We look at the changes that they're going to have um, for next year. Obviously, Pierre Gasly, as we know, is off to Alpine next year. But, Tate, what a signing. They have signed up Mercedes junior driver, F2, and Formula E champion in Nick de Vries. Yeah, I think he really solidified his future with his little Italy stand-in of Albon. He shone brightly. Um, He stood his own firmly, even though he could barely get out of the car at the end of the race. He was phenomenal the whole way throughout and scored points in that dreadful William. So I'm really excited to see him on the grid next year. I hope that they can deliver a car that he can drive well, that he sits well with in terms of balance. Um, But I think we're going to see some pretty exciting things from him next year. I think it's about time he's on the grid. And Mizzy, the the, the other thing to sort of mention as well is looking at who they're going to be chasing for the future, because I, I can't see them continuing with possibly with Sonoda but the thing that's worrying for Red Red Bull at the moment is that their talent pool has dried up. Certainly has. They've they've been ones that have been able to just keep pulling driver after driver after driver out of their junior program. Um, we've seen we don't have to go through the Vettels, the the Verstappens, the the list goes on and on and on that have come through that system. But as you said, they just uh, I don't know what's happening in that in that program whether they don't have the focus on it anymore. It's it's a weird one that there's that, that 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 there's just not someone sitting there waiting to come in. I think Sonoda's going to get a pass again because they want that Japanese link with Honda, and particularly as Honda, after they're they're backing out of uh, the 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 Formula One Championship, they've looked like they're going to be trying to get their way back into the Formula One Championship now. So I think to have a Japanese driver in this team, I think that's probably going to get him a pass for at least for another season or so, but. You would think that um, having, uh, uh, if they had a, a Verstappen on the of however many years ago when he was coming through or something like that, if they had somebody like that waiting in the wings, they wouldn't have hesitated and put him in the car. Or, or maybe Nick DeVries might have ended up at um, at Williams or another Mercedes-powered uh, team and, and not get led by Red Bull, which I'm still finding as a, as a bit of a, a shock for next year as well that, that they let him out of that contract. Um, but maybe it might have been different if Albon hadn't been let go to, to Williams. I always thought that there was still that contact there and they'd be trying to get him back for Alpha Tauri and then maybe DeFries would have taken his spot at Williams and they keep everybody in their respective families. But it's going to be interesting. As I said, you, you've got the likes of Liam Lawson yeah. knocking around. I think he's off to race Super Formula next year. Maybe if he can put some good results in in that, then in 2024 if, if Sonoda doesn't impress again he might be able to get a seat then but I think there'll be a few people in that uh, junior driver program they'll be trying to get out there looking for the best of the best overall for the gradings I'll get everyone to give theirs a here for me Pierre Gasly I gave him a C minus Yuki Sonoda a D and then Alpha Tauri very disappointing a D minus taste uh, I gave Gasly a C plus Sonoda a C minus and Alpha Tauri a D Easy. Um, Pierre Gasly at D, I, I don't. He wasn't the same driver, but I think him moving now to Alpine will re- reinvigorate him. But 
I, I still think he could have put, pulled some better performances out of the car, but obviously his motivation just wasn't there. Um, Sonoda is also a D. Um, second year syndrome for him. He looked good last year and had, had some pace. He's almost in that Grandu Joe, uh, Joe Grandu, my apologies, space where it was like he had some good performances last year. What can he do in the second year? I don't. I think he again he could have done a little bit more, but it is. We don't know how bad that car was. It didn't look good. And uh, as for the team, yeah, D-minus, as I said. A, a team like that with their resources, with Red Bull powertrains that won the won the Drivers' Championship, won the Constructors' Championship, they've basically got the, the they've got the all the gear but no idea. And uh, to finish ninth, disappointing. They, they're lucky they didn't get an F. Let's move on to our next team. It is the BWT Alpine F1. Uh, Fernando Alonso finishing ninth with 81 points. Esteban Ocon finishing eighth with 92. And the fourth place in the Constructors' Championship with 173 points. And Tace, I think the, the most positive thing out of this team is it's probably the most even pairing in the paddock. Both drove solidly and took Alpine to a very credible fourth place. Yeah, it's a little bit miraculous that they got to the fourth place considering the amount of mechanical issues they had. But... Um, They've done well to move up the uh, the ladder this year. Last year, fighting with McLaren as well, but this year they came out on top. Um, had they got their reliability together a bit more, you may have seen them uh, a little bit closer to Mercedes, maybe not close enough, but an improvement for them nonetheless and an interesting year for them coming up next year, I think. Mirzi, the... The, the thing that really stuck out, though, for Alpine wasn't necessarily their performance on track. It was their absolute balls up when it came to the Oscar Piastri fiasco. Oh, that if Ferrari weren't so bad at, at their strategy, this would probably be the, on the, on the list of uh, the awards of our end of season awards for uh, our end of season awards for uh, some of the, the biggest, what the hell are you doing? Because yeah, you have someone like Oscar, he's been in the system forever. He's sitting there. He won F1, F2 last year. That seat's there waiting for him. And then he goes to McLaren. To be fair, I think actually Alpine getting getting Gasly, I think they actually ended up in a better position. They For whatever, for whatever how they lucked into that, I don't know. But I think having Gasly and, and Ocon together, they're, 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 there's rumors that they're not the best of friends. I think sometimes that can work because – as long as they're friendly enough to work together off the track, they, they, that competitive spirit on the track will spur them on and, and to good results. I think them finishing fourth in the constructors is is that that was their ceiling for this year and they achieved it. Um, I think McLaren's problems that that were they were their big rivals for that fourth position, but I said McLaren and their issues and Ricardo and everything like that sort of solidified them in that fourth place, but. Uh, as I said, I look forward to seeing what Alpine can do next year. If their engine stays fast as it is now and they can keep tweaking that tweaking that package and if Gasly can bring that 2021 form, um, boy, they're gonna be one to watch and they're gonna be they're gonna be pipping at the heels of the of the big three teams. The other question obviously to bring about is with regards to whether Gasly or Ocon stays long term, and then again looking at the future prospects, Tace. Just like with Red Bull, the Alpine talent pool has dried up. There's only one name really left, but as Aussies, geez, we're excited about this name. 
Yeah, Jack Doohan has been so impressive throughout F2. I remember watching him win in Spa was an awesome moment. Uh, he's clearly got a lot of talent. His dad had the two-wheel talent. He's got the four-wheel. I reckon one, two years we'll see him in Formula 1. Um, and it would be great to have another Aussie. If we can get Ricardo back, have Piastri in there and also Doohan, that's a pretty insane period for Australian motorsport. So Over- hopefully he does come up because Overall- he will be phenomenal. Overall, Mizi, I'm, I'm looking at this team. I think Fernando Alonso, Esteban Ocon, I gave them both Bs. Alpine, I gave them a B plus, despite all the ramblings off the field. That car in a straight line was quick. Oh, 100%. And um, you, you saw when they, they were they were hard in a battle, some of those ones where uh, where you had um, Alonso fighting with, with Hamilton and Mate, if they if they were on, they were on, and that Hungary Grand Prix, wow, it was it was something else. And I think that they're going to lose something with Fernando. Um, I think he did bring something to that team, but I don't think they could have got a better. As I said, I think they they won getting Gasly over over Payastri. I really think they did. Um, so I think yeah, both drivers get a B. I think they both drove very well throughout the year. They did, they did, they got as much out of the car as they could, and were right full fourth place in the constructors. Um, as as for the team, yeah, I, I don't count that that Piastri thing. That that's off field, and as I said, they lucked into a better driver, um, also a B. Um, but it'll it only means something if they can go forward next year. If they if they if they get like like the Alpha Tauris and and drop back a couple of places in the in the championship, then all of it's for waste. But they certainly look like they're going in the right direction. Tace, uh, I've given Alpine a B minus for the season. They did move forward, so that's considerable. But the amount of reliability issue. I think they said Alonso had a water leak issue four times throughout the season. Um, so I think they did squander a bit of potential and they should have been a bit further up, but they still did move forward, so they've done well. Uh, Alonso gets an A because he was the one you always seem to see fighting up there with the Hamiltons and whatnot. Um, but Ocon put in good results as well, who usually was in the back end of the top 10 somewhere, so he gets a solid B+. We then move on to our last team before we go to our break, and it is Aston Martin, Aramco, Cognizant F1, a.k.a. Matt Mears, the team owned by Big Daddy Stroll. <laughs> Big Daddy Stroll. Well, I think there's going to be a Stroll driving for this team as long as uh, as long as he wants to. Uh, maybe for the for the detriment or not for the detriment. Well, we won't know that for a while. But uh, is someone going to put um, Daddy's cash in, on in the background while we do this segment? You reckon? <laughs> uh, we'll talk to Andrew Russell. But I said, look, Lance Stroll isn't the worst of the worst paid drivers that I've seen out there. Uh, he, he at least he doesn't disgrace himself. We'll, we'll say that. How, can we at least be somewhat fair to him? Like there's been a lot worse of uh, paid cash drivers out there. But to be fair, with some way that some of these other teams are going, he's going to probably be one of the last few. So maybe we might see some of those um, performances dip as we see the good young drivers rightfully get their seats in the in the championship. Um, as I said, I don't think they could have done too much more this year. Obviously, they're, they're getting all the bits together. They're building that new factory. Um, they're, they're putting the money into the car. They've got that Mercedes engine. But as I said, they've, they've got Fernando coming next year. If, if he can ring the neck of that thing like he rings the neck of that Alpine, maybe they might look better next year. But 
yeah, this year I still think with Vettel, he he had some good drives throughout this year. But could they have finished higher than seventh? I I really don't know. I I think this is probably about where they should have come. If they had a, another A level driver in there, could they have scrounged up to sixth or fifth? Probably. But at in this day and age, this is this is where they're this is this is their lay of the land at the moment until they can really do something with their car. Taste two things I thought were pop from positives from Aston Martin this year. First off was. Um, the way Sebastian Vettel grew throughout the end of the year, and then his form at the end of the at the end of the year itself was absolutely spectacular in his last hurrah. And then, to be fair, Aston Martin probably had one of the most reliable cars on the grid. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Vettel's form, especially, I think, was a big talking point. Uh, I remember I was at the Australian Grand Prix. I saw him crash in front of me in practice, and then he had um, his spin during the race into the wall. That was you know, no one else involved in it. Um, to the end of the year, where we're seeing in the US thrilling last lap battle with Magnussen, which he won. Suzuka last lap battle with Alonso, which he won. Abu Dhabi, he even had some great fights in there. So he he did seem to get more comfortable and improve with the car throughout the season and was an eye catcher as he finished out his career, which I think is fitting. Um, the car itself, yeah, it didn't seem to have too many reliability issues. It always seemed to be a, a, a on-track incident that would cause their issues. So Good job to the team for their reliability. Uh, same place in the constructors as the year before, uh, albeit this year being on the same amount of points as Alfa Romeo. So they got a little bit unlucky there. But um, yeah, a, a reasonable performance from them. Hopefully they'll improve in the future, especially with Fernando coming on board. The interesting thing we've got as well, Mizzy, in terms of where they go for the future, they've got Fernando Alonso coming in. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg is also left to head over to Haas. Nick DeFries off to Alfa Tauri. It does mean that the only person they've got left as a test and reserve driver is going to be the F2 champion in Felipe Drogovic. Well, he, he's in that Oscar Piastri spot from, from 2021, isn't he? Not allowed to drive in F2. He's going to have to do all he can, and, and hopefully Aston Martin can get him some drives in other places. But as you've seen with with um, with um, our mate Hulk in that in that spot. He's got some drives with with people being out for COVID and et cetera, et cetera. So, mate, if 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 Stroll, I don't know if he gets grounded and has to go to his room, maybe he might have to. Maybe Daddy might make him miss a race and he might get a go. Who knows? But as I said I, I'd still think that's a good spot to have him for him to be in. I reckon that there's ample opportunity there. And as I said it's only going to get harder for Stroll um, with more. Um, with more good young drivers coming in and, and less of the, the pay drivers in those in those bottom teams. So who knows? Who knows where it'll who knows where he'll end up. But as I said, if there is a change in this team, then he's in the box seat to get a to get an F one spot and you can't ask for much more of that at the at the moment. Tace, looking at the the gradings here, I, I ended up giving Sebastian Vettel a C plus, Lance Stroll a D minus and Aston Martin a D. Am I being harsh there? <laughs> I think it's a little bit harsh, slightly harsher than I've gone, but I think reasonable. They haven't blown the world away. Stroll especially. I don't expect the world from Stroll, as we said earlier, with the whole pay situation, but he has had front rows and he has had podiums. And, of course, Turkey and what was it, 2020, crazy race. He was on the pole as well, crazy track with the resurfacing. So he has potential and he didn't really live up to it. So I'd say he does deserve a pretty harsh rating. Um, Vettel, I gave an A minus just because of those final, 
those final performances were unreal. He drove the wheels off the car, and it was, of course, entertaining for us. Uh, and then Aston Martin, just a C minus. They were a bit stagnant, I feel. Uh, I remember when the car was launched, it was gorgeous, and I was sure it was going to be quick. And then, you know, on track results didn't quite come up to par. So hopefully next year we get a gorgeous and fast car and some fun Fernando. How gorgeous is that car, and particularly now that the pink's off it and they've got the, yes. the, the lime green highlights instead. Oh. Back to classic. It was oh. gorgeous. I was so happy they went back to it. So good. Measy, your grades? Um, well, Vettel, obviously, he he showed at the back end once he knew he was hanging up the, the helmet. He showed that uh, he was out there. I'll, I'll give him a, a B for that. I think that uh, he did all he could with that car, and uh, that's, that's all I could give. Stroll, I'll give a D. Um, as Tay said, we've seen much better from him. Um, for whatever reason this year, he just, just maybe he's getting too comfortable there. I don't know, but he, they need more from him. Hopefully Fernando next, next to him next year will fire him up or something. I don't know, but I'd say, and also for, for Aston Martin, I'd give them a D with, with the amount of, with all the things we say about Big Daddy Stroll and, and the dollars coming in, there are dollars coming into that into that place. They are making improvements. They are doing all the right things. Now they need to show that on the track. They said they 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 trying. They're getting ex Formula One World Champions in that second seat next to Lance. They need to start showing that there's some pace in this car. As said they've 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 got the money. Can they can they turn that into pace? Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our break. And when we come back, we'll have the second half of the wrap-up of the 2022 Formula One season. You are listening to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Your local RSL is at the heart of every community and there is none better in the Hornsby-Karingai area than the Hornsby RSL. Whether you're planning a major event, dinner with family or friends or having a quiet night at your local, Hornsby RSL is the place to be. Rediscover what enjoying life is all about with regular weekly events, special entertainment and some of the best eateries in Sydney, we have you covered for a great night out. As always, drink responsibly. Support the club that supports. Come to Hornsby RSL at 4 High Street, Hornsby or get in touch on 94777777 and at hornsbyrsl.com.au. The Hornsby RSL, proud station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look 
the part when representing your community. As Don Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Looking for a fun night out with family and friends? Then come to the Hidden Gem in the Hornsby Coringai area, The Attic. Located inside Hornsby RSL, The Attic provides all the fun and excitement you can expect from a bowling and arcade bar in an intimate location that ensures a real gaming experience for everyone. With four 10-pin bowling lanes, Australia's first augmented reality bowling experience and a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, The Attic is the place to let your inner child run wild. So make sure you book your next night out at The Attic at 4 High Street, Hornsby. Call them on 94777777 or book via their website at theattichornsby.com.au. The Attic, part of Hornsby RSL, station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. Anthony Caruso with Matt Mears and Tate Wiggins as we wrap up the 2022 Formula One season. We're going to jump straight back in. We're going to go to team number five in alphabetical order. Tate, it is the Scuderia of Ferrari and a season that could be seen as one of two ways. The first one being what could have been, the second one being, well, it was a massive improvement on where they've been the last couple of years. As a Ferrari boy, this has been one of the most difficult seasons to watch. I remember for sure the first four or five races coming out the gates from where we'd been struggling and struggling and languishing in uh, 2020 and 2021, it was a great improvement. Everything was looking great. I remember leaving the track at Melbourne laughing because I thought, for sure, this is our year. We finally got the car to do it and Red Bull can't get their act together. How wrong I was. The pain over the next months has been immense. Um, great improvement, but squandered. The development of the car just wasn't up to par. Red Bull blew us out of the water. Max is just infallible at the moment it seems so whilst an improvement i think it was a bit of a spanking a bit of a learning that the car is one thing but the team needs to be operating at a higher level to be able to compete with red bull and mercedes teams and it wasn't as if the car didn't have potential matt because they they claimed uh, charles leclerc claimed nine pole positions carlos Sainz claimed another two it was a very good qualifying car but the race pace was shot to pieces due mainly to the high tire deg and and the shoddy um and the shoddy strategies as well but oh, i'm God. sure we'll go into that here i am with two ferrari fans so this is going to be fun but when you say that he got nine poles and, and then he only gets three wins that is not good enough if you want to be world champion yep. um if he that second spot came all the way down to the wire I still don't even know if he should have finished there. I think Red Bull could have done more to help to help um, to help Sergio get that that second spot um, in the in the drivers' championship. Carlos, if 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 they're serious, he should be finishing higher than fifth. I think I think if you're a Ferrari fan, you you're doing backflips that they finish second in the constructors. Obviously, the last couple of years finishing third. Um, ever since uh, the the mysteriousness of 2019 when mysteriously 
the cars started going slower because mysteriously they were found cheating um, and nothing was done about it except they were going slower. I think, yeah, obviously the start of the season was, was, was showing that there might be something there, but I don't think it was just the, the development of the car. I think strategy played a part. I think once Red Bull got on that roll, they were going to be so hard to stop. I think there was, I think after maybe four or five races in the season, remember Tony Max, just he would be happy if they could just buy sort of the last two or three races of the year, if they could be back on some sort of parity. He won the thing with like five races to go. That shows how far ahead that they were. And then Red Bull just breezed past them like they'd opened the DRS down the straight to get past them. Um, but yeah, as I said, if I was a Ferrari fan, I'd be happy that you're second in the Constructors' Championship, but just know that it, it's it's a year of what could have been. The bits of news, the bit of news that have come out, obviously, the talk about Mattia Binotto being sacked or demoted, possibly being replaced by Fred Vasseur. Um, Tace, it, it, it seems to have been an issue for Ferrari at the very top. Mattia Binotto, a class act as CTO, he just does not look like a team principal. He is a very passive figure every time we see him in the paddock and you can't help but feel most of the team principals in the past, if not all, have been very harsh and clear-spoken and firm men. Um, so I think Mattia going back to leading a department wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him. He's been there for decades. He's thrived, won championships in the Schumacher era, etc. cetera. Um, but Fred is a much more firm and clear man, I feel. Um, so I wouldn't be the angriest fan to see him come in at the top, make some changes and be very firm and clear with what needs to be done and improved so that we are back into title fighting shape, which we haven't been since, what, 2008 when we won the Constructors. Very quickly, and then the other announcement, of course, Robert Schwarzman will be retained by Ferrari and then the um, he has dropped his adopted flag of Russia in favour of his birth country of Israel, a strategic move to avoid any scrutiny and probably warranted given that he's been quite vocal against um, the Russian government at the time. In terms of the grading for Ferrari overall, I gave Leclerc a B plus, I gave Science a B, and I gave Ferrari a, a C plus. I think probably a little bit generous to the Ferrari as a whole. But Mirzi, I do think Carlos Science did deserve some praise, especially considering he finally broke his wind up this year and showed that it is possible to overrule the Ferrari strategy team. Well, I think seeing when I'm talking to the man who has still has a picture of Charles Leclerc on his bedroom wall next to the one of his Pat Cummins, of course you're going to be a bit biased towards the team. Um, I think, I think, yeah, the best thing for for Leclerc was science standing up to them and and showing that whatever you guys are getting paid in the. Uh, in the strategy room, I think you and me, Caruso, could have done a better job in uh, yep. learning where to pit and everything like that because everything they just – it was like one one bad decision just sent them down a rabbit hole and they just were second-guessing themselves. It even got onto the point where they'd have to ask the drivers. Like, you can't have that throughout the race. You don't see Red Bull asking Max what's what his thoughts are or – you, you hear even Mercedes overrule Lewis when they know better than him because obviously they have all the pieces when he doesn't. Um, it's just not a good look when, when you've got to go to your drivers in the middle of the race and ask them their opinions on what strategy they should be going for. Um, they have a lot of work to do off the off the track. I think the drivers were okay. I think Leclerc 
he he would be a little bit disappointed, obviously leading the the World Drivers Championship by so much earlier in the year, and then to to only secure second in the final race. Um, he would have wanted to be still fighting Max a long time, but obviously that's not all his fault. Signs they he he obviously has desires to be on the level of Leclerc. I just don't think he is at the moment. He is he is their number two um, at this point. Um, whether that changes or not, I don't know. But he he needs to pull something out if he, if he wants to be on that level. And as for a team, congratulations on second because that's about the only congratulations they're getting for me. They 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 need to go back to the drawing board. As I said, if it's from the team principal down, then so be it. Tace. Uh, the team overall, I gave a B minus. Still happy we moved forwards, but yeah, the start of the season, the hopes were so high, and to finish fighting for second, I couldn't believe it. So, work to be done for sure, restructuring or whatever. Uh, Leclerc gave a B minus. As a the lead driver, I expected a little bit more. I think his Imola little shunt and also uh, crashing out from the lead in France were mistakes that need to be ironed out. He's always had these little niggles. And this year, having a car to fight for the championship for most of the season, uh, I expect them to be gone by now. What's this? That was his fourth, one, two, three, four, fifth season in Formula One. Um, so, yeah, I expect a bit more there. Science, I gave a B. I think he was pretty consistent. He got much better uh, feel for the car in the second half of the season to his own admission um, and came alive a bit. And also, Silverstone was phenomenal from him. So, yeah, not the best year, but more to come. We then move on to Haas F1, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Mizzy, the, the big talking point at the start of the year, the comeback, the Viking comeback of <sighs> Kevin Magnussen got us a little bit giddy about what Haas could potentially do, and it has to be said, they even though they were coming off a low base, there were some signs of life in this team. Mate, if all the things that are happening in Russia and everything like that, if this is the one positive that comes out of it, um, being able to ditch um, Mazepin and get uh, Magnussen back into this car, I think um, the Haas team are going to be very happy for that because, as I said, he showed when you have an experienced driver in that car, um, you can get points. And um, finishing eighth in the Constructors' Championship, I think if you told them that at the start of the season, particularly with 37 points, they would have taken that any day of the week, particularly where they finished in 2021. Obviously, we know the story. They didn't spend any money. They saved it all for 20, the 2022 regulations, and it and it was the right call. Um, they only have limited supply. They did what they needed to do, and um, Magnussen uh, in that car showed that um, it, it could be up there. It could be. It it it, it wasn't just a, a speed bump when the leaders were uh, were, were lapping them anymore. Um, I said, and that, and that, that pole position that Magnussen got in Brazil. Oh my God! Um, that's why I love Formula One. When the when it's it's one of those sports where, yes, you know that Max is probably going to win every week, but you get those moments, you get those poles, you get like the Gasly wins that we talked about earlier, and uh, that was amazing. But uh, obviously, with Mick Schumacher gone next year. Uh, where he ends up, probably we know. We might talk about that in, in a minute. But they've obviously gone for having experience in both cars next year. I hope that'll that'll set them further up the grid. But for a 2022, I think if you're in that team, you'd be happy considering the 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 rock bottom they were in in 2021. 
um, they'll be they'll be certainly looking forward to 2023 to see if they can keep building their momentum. Taste on the other on the flip side from from Magnuson that this the tail of Schumacher. Uh, had two brilliant races in the middle of the year. The first one at Silverstone, the second one at Austria, where he scored good points. But he has been, in the end, made to pay for the two crashes he had at the start of the year where he did total the car twice and cost the team about $3 million. I do wonder if that's the reason for him being let go because towards the end of the season, his performances were actually improving quite a lot and you saw him in front of Magnussen quite a few times to the point where even in Abu Dhabi where he had that incident with Latifi, he still finished ahead of Magnussen with that. So in terms of a development and a talent point of view, I think he did improve and showed a positive trajectory. But yeah, the crashes, especially in a budget cap era, they hurt, and Gunther was quite vocal about that as well. So it's unfortunate to lose the Schumacher name from the grid again. Uh, but yeah, money these days is is critical, and it matters so much under the budget cap. So I guess I hear that's what was coming. And 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 it's really driven the the big change that has occurred here, Measy, because of course they've got they still got their sponsorship with one and one, but their requirement is a German driver. And when you keep that into, into perspective, there was only one other person that was going to end up at this team next year if it wasn't going to be Mick Schumacher. A hundred percent. And um, to get Hulkenberg back in, in into, into an F1 seat, yes, he's been out for so long, but I think you get him with regular drives, you get Magnussen, they're, they're ex- both experienced drivers. They're not going to make the rookie errors like Mick Schumacher did. Um. The only place is up for them, and that's and that's what they want. I think Mick's unlucky. I think, I think if if you gave him more time in that car, he'd be on that level. But in this day and age, where you've got sponsors and it's a business to run, there's just not that time. And hopefully, you'll get picked up in a in another role, which we might talk about later on. But if not, I still think in 2024 he could be an option for some teams, um, particularly. He, he did, as Tay said, he didn't disgrace himself in that in that second half of the year, and and there was times where he was faster than Magnussen. So he, he certainly proved that he can be an F one driver. Is he going to be at his dad's level? I don't think anybody's going to be. That's a, that's a hard level to get, but I do think that he can be a Formula One driver. So it'll be interesting to see how he bounce backs for this. Maybe it's something he needs. Maybe that that little bit of disappointment, go back, reflect, and then and then come back all guns blazing might be the best thing for him. Taste in terms of the gradings, I gave Kevin Magnuson a B plus, Mick Schumacher a D, and Haas a C. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, Haas a C. I think is a bit harsh. I think their their improvement is good, and yes, they didn't spend the money. We know what arrangement they had for the car this year, but to come from where they were last year to this year, even with the addition of Magnuson, I think it's been pretty impressive. So I gave the team an A minus. Uh, Magnussen got an A. I think he performed really well. When the car suits the track, he was there and he put in some good qualities as well. Schumacher, a B. Obviously, his crashes weren't great, but he did improve steadily throughout the course of the season. And yeah, like I said, starting to challenge a known entity like Magnussen is pretty impressive. So yeah, more, more to come next year with Hulkenberg, you'd hope, with a more experienced lineup, but we'll see what they can do with the car. We then move on to McLaren F1. Well, actually, no, before I do that, Mizzy, I need to come to you and get your gradings, I should say. I'll be quick. Uh, the team, I'd, I'd give a C plus. 
I think middle of the road, but that's that's where they should be aiming for for where they where they've come from. I think middle of the road is is great. I think they'll with two experienced drivers. There's only moved room to improve. Magnussen, I'd give a B. He did the best with what they can. Hopefully, you can get more out of that Ferrari engine, and it can be more reliable next year. And obviously, having the the data with um, Hulkenberg will will help, and they'll be able to both find pace off each other. Schumacher, I'd, I'd probably give a C minus. Um, you can't go, as Tay said, in the cost cap area, you can't go be making the team spend millions and millions of dollars on on repairing your crashes, which which probably didn't need to happen. Um, but as I said, if he can learn from it, if it can, if he can take that time away, fire himself up, and uh, he could be a, a force uh, come twenty twenty four and beyond. Case we move on to McLaren F one now, and prop the team that experienced the the highest percentage of points of anyone in the, I guess, excluding bottom place Williams. Where the most, where the highest percentage of points being scored by one driver, Lando Norris, um, take about seventh place with 122 points, and the only person outside of the big three teams to get a podium. Yeah, Lando, since he's joined Formula One, has been showing us these kind of performances. We've all been waiting for him to get a car to do what he can do in it and battle Max and Charles at the front. But for the moment, he just keeps putting in these stunning drives to the capacity of what the car can do. And it's tough for McLaren because they should be up higher. We all know that. If Lando had a teammate who was doing half of what he was doing, they would they would have beat Alpine this year. So it's tough for the team, and you've got to understand the decision considering what Lando's doing compared to what Daniel's doing. But, yeah, Lando's definitely one to watch for the future. And when McLaren get their act together, he'll certainly be there to capitalise, same way Max was with Red Bull. And we come to that issue, Matt, and we've seen – Countless channels talk about what has gone wrong for Daniel Ricciardo. Is it a mental issue? Is it is it the car itself? Is it just the 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 lay of the land these days? To me, it seems like it's the first, it's the latter two leading to the issues there. Part of it is Ricardo is not known as being someone who likes to use simulators to get practice, but then on top of that. The car is just not suited to him, especially considering the numerous brakes issues it had. And we all know Ricardo's skill as being the last of the late breakers. Yeah, I just think yeah, it was it was one of those ones that I know when he first got announced, I thought, great, you get him out of that Renault and um, into the the McLaren. They were they had the deal with Mercedes. You thought, great, we're going to get the back of the the back of the good old days of McLaren Mercedes where they're up at the top of the field, but it just didn't happen. I think he would have probably been where Alpine are now. He probably would have been better off staying um, with a car that was particularly more to his style and, and, and suited him a lot more. But I think you find that with a lot of teams and obviously with Net Lando being that number one driver in virtue of where he finished on the in the in the championship and where he was finishing in races, they're going to make the car more towards his liking. You see it at Red Bull. You see it everywhere else. Um, it's towards that that number one driver, and obviously, within a cost cap era, you've got to make everything the same, and and you can't be going and making them drastically different. So, Lando's been able to come through that system; he's been able to adapt to how that car is and and drive very well. All I can hope is that now you've got Oscar coming in, they've identified as him as someone that can drive that that same sort of style, and and that car will suit his driving style as it didn't for Daniel and. Uh, 
they need someone that can be there. Are they are they asking him to finish seventh? Are they asking him to get um, as many points as Lando did? No, but as I said, even if he got even if Daniel could have got half the points that Lando did this year, they would have been another place higher, which is about twelve million dollars. So that's what they're looking for. Um, I just hope that Oscar's the the man that they need. But um, as I said, I, I still think that McLaren can improve, and I think. We see a lot with McLaren, obviously, with like um, with Zach Brown being in charge. We see him a lot through the supercars as well, through um, WAU. You, you sort of get a bit more of a look into that team, and particularly with them having an Aussie in one of the seats and continue to have an Aussie seat. They're, they're that second team for a lot of Aussies out there in the paddock. So hopefully they can get the package together. Hopefully those little issues that um, that have been cropping up, the brakes issues, um, go away. And um, they, they, with it, if they get all the pieces together, they, they should be fighting for that third in the constructors next year. But for this year, it, again, it's one of those ones, what, what could it have been had they had, had they had uh, Daniel performing to where we know he can. And taste the other bit of news coming out of it is that with Red Bull's apparent agreement with Porsche collapsing, the rumor going around McLaren could be the beneficiary of the backing of um, Porsche coming in. Any word to that rumor going around at the moment? I haven't heard any more confirmation. Obviously, they've been very secretive about it uh, all throughout the Red Bull Porsche thing until it collapsed. It was all rumors and whispers. So we'll see what comes out of it. But Porsche clearly are keen to re-enter the sport. And McLaren, that would be a great opportunity for them, funding-wise, sponsorships, whatnot. So it'd be interesting to see. I hope it comes to fruition because the more uh, manufacturers we have in the sport, the better, I feel. Matt Mears, in terms of the grading, um, I gave... Lando an A minus, McLaren a C minus, Daniel Ricciardo a D minus, and very lucky not to get an F from myself. Yeah, I think Lando, I think A minus is great. Can you imagine if he was in one of those big three cars, what he'll do? But he's obviously he's, he's laid his claim with McLaren. He obviously thinks that they can get on the run like Red Bull have done and, and sort of drag themselves back from from being at the top of the mid card and, and come up there and, and let's hope they do competition. We can have a big four instead of a big, big three, or we can have a big five. Like it only makes it better for us fans. So let's hope they do. And then I said, if there's anybody that, that deserves to be riding that wave, it's Lando. And if the team can get themselves together, he, he should be up the pointy end of the field. As for the team. Yeah. I, you, you just think that obviously it's not just Ricardo's fault for everything that went on. Um, I'm sure the team did everything they can, but they aggressively went after him. They wanted him as part of the team and they just couldn't make it work. So they, they should deserve part of that. I think obviously it's not all their fault, but they should do that. So I think a, a C minus would probably be good. I said they still finished in the mid pack. They still finished fifth in the constructors. They were, they were better than half the other teams in the field. Um, but could they have finished higher? Yes. And, and it, and it does come down to Ricardo as much as I'm a, Ricardo fan and we know what we can do and we see what happens in cars that that suit his style he, he's right up the tippy top but as in life things don't turn out the way we want things don't turn out the way that he needed them to in that in that spot at McLaren let's hope that 2023 and and beyond he can get somewhere that that gets the old Daniel back and Maybe we might see him for another season or two yet in in twenty twenty four and and further down the line. Tace, your thoughts for the grading? 
Uh, Norris for me is an A plus. He just kept showing up. He's incredibly consistent, and he's always quick without burning tires out and anything like that. So he had a pretty strong season for me. And again, we're all just waiting for him to get a car that can compete with the big boys. Um, Ricardo gets a C minus. He he's yeah just struggled, just struggled. We've seen it for the last two years. It's just constant struggles with him. He had his moments, and you know he'd get points every now and there, but. To be that far away from your teammate in the championship, yeah, you can't be getting good grades for that. Um, McLaren as a team get a C plus for me. I think they did deliver the fourth fastest car this year. Um, they were unfortunate not to get that. The fact that Ricardo struggled so much and they were still relatively close is is a testament to the car that they built um, and that they improved. Because thinking back to the start of the season in Bahrain, they were in dire straits. They were down the back half of the grid firmly. So... C-plus for them. Hopefully, we can see more from them next year and see what they can give Piastri and Norris. We then move on to Mercedes-AMG, Petronas F1, and Mirzi, I think the, the, the feel-good story of the year was George Russell coming of age this year. He showed he belongs in that car. Is he the same George that he was at Williams? I don't know. I think everybody loves the underdog story. Um He's not so much the underdog now that he's in the uh, in one of the big three teams, but he shows that that he deserves to be driving that car, and to beat Lewis Hamilton as a teammate, he's only I think one of three that have done it. The third to do it, yeah. And one was when um, your mate Nico uh, Rosberg won the title. So yeah, I, I think he shows that he deserves to be at that pointy end. But I think if you if you went into the season thinking that, that Mercedes would be third in the constructors after how they've dominated the last eight to ten years, you, you would have thought that you'd be uh, smoking some of the good stuff. But they were. And as I said, it, it's good to see some difference at the top of the order. They did come back at the final part of the season and, and show that they've, they've been able to improve that car. I'll be interested to see how that car turns out in 2023. Obviously, they were the only the, the no side pods team, and and they I think they struggled a bit for that. They also struggled with the porpoising more than a lot of the other teams. So they're going to have obviously a, a go back to the drawboard neck for next season and and see how they can improve the car. But as I said if they've got these two drivers, which it looks like they do going forward, um, I think that they can look better next year. But I think they did the best of what they can. I think it was probably a good year to bring George into the team. He's the person to take over that number one spot when when Lewis finally does decide to uh, hang up the helmet. Um, but yeah, I think maybe it was just a grounding year that that maybe after flying so high, maybe maybe it was needed for them to just now to be able to buckle down and refocus. Taste, we we come to that issue about Sir Lewis Hamilton at this stage. This is his first season ever in Formula One without a race win. He was by and large, completely outshone by his younger teammate. Um, is this the beginning of the end for Sir Lewis Hamilton? Mm, I'm not so sure. We've seen Lewis's resilience in the past. He's incredibly strong and he will come back. Uh, George, we know he's been threatening to do this all his years at uh, Williams. It was clear that one day he would be a strong challenger and he came in and did exactly what we expected him to. Uh, Lewis though is just so strong he he goes away finds energy doing all his extracurriculars and comes back with strength we didn't know he had and he's done it for the last decade over and over and over so I won't write him off yet uh, the car definitely looks a lot better towards the end of the season it was amazing that they struggled at all everyone thought with the changes 
Mercedes usually running a low rake philosophy in the old days, this shouldn't affect them that much with the cars needing to be run flat. But yeah, obviously we saw their struggles. They seem to be getting almost on top of it. So once Lewis is comfortable in that car again, I think uh, George will be surprised. Mizzy, the in terms of the future for the team and in terms of who comes in next, so that's been the big talking point in regards to who would eventually replace Sir Lewis Hamilton. And like Red Bull, we've seen a drain of talent. Nick DeFries over at Alpha Tauri. Stoffel Van Dorn has now moved on to Indy with DS Penske. Um, the only other person they've got in F2 in the pre- junior program is Frederick Vesti, who is not good enough for, for F1 at this point. But there is a rumour that they could be picking up an outcast as a test reserve driver for next year. Well, I did allude to him a little bit earlier, um, not so subtly, but um, this is somewhere I thought Daniel Ricciardo could have landed, but obviously not. But um, but yeah, Mick Schumacher in that in that in that reserve role, I think if he if he has designs to be staying in F one, this this is the place for him to go. You you never know what might happen, particularly with with someone like Hamilton. If something happens, and not that I think it would, but it, 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 any you never can leave anything off the table. If if he decides, if next year things aren't going right, and decides to retire mid year or do something like that, he's in the box seat to get a drive like that. So I I, I think that's probably a, it would be a good move for all parties. Obviously, we we saw him get better at the end of the year. Um, he's only going to learn a lot being in that around that team. Um, if you can't be in those meetings with with someone like Lewis, then and not learn anything from it, then go back to mate, go back to stock car racing or something else. But I think that it'll probably be the best move. There's just no one else really out there at the moment that um, would would be the the right for that for that role because as I said, they they've had some good backup drivers there, but. As I said, with with now Indy becoming such a good um, landing point for these guys that rightfully or wrongly are not getting their chance in F1, um, you're going to see some of these positions now not have the the pedigree that they used to uh, in the years of the past. Tace, your your grades for Mercedes and their drivers. For me, I gave Sir Lewis Hamilton a C minus. Um, I think he struggled initially to come to terms around with the car itself. Um, regained his confidence, but it is his worst return at Mercedes. I think possibly the first sign he might be on his way out. George Russell got an A from me, and I think Mercedes, with their improvement, got themselves a B-. minus. Yep, I think that's pretty fair. I did rate Hamilton a little more highly. I gave him an A-. I think when the car was there and George was up there at the pointy end, he was usually quite close, if not right behind him, as we saw with the 1-2. George was pretty flawless, I think, most of the season. I gave him an A+. Plus. He took the car whenever it was available and quick at the track they were at, and he performed with it, much like Lando did. So another A+, plus for him. Uh, Mercedes, I gave a B plus. I think it was a shock to them with the struggles that they had early in the year. But considering how far off they were at the start of the season and then coming and actually getting a win at a certain point and being up, close to Ferrari, who were at the start of the season so dominant. I think that's a pretty impressive turnaround, and it, it shows how strong they are as a team, as we've seen from them over the last you know nearly decade. Music? Yeah, I'd give Hamilton a C. I think this is a, a reality check of the year for him. I think that uh, he's one of those ones that he, he he does fight back really well. Taste is right that, that 
he is someone to fight that, but he needs to be put in that position first. And I think it can either go two ways. Like if that car comes out of the box next year, he'll be up there and George will be up there and it'll be the best thing for Mercedes. But if it doesn't, that's when we could be looking for some different answers. But I still thought he did the best with what he had. Um, and and uh, a C is appropriate. George, yeah, he has to get an A. Um, we've been all waiting for it. We've, we've seen how he was performing at Williams. We saw him get that. We saw him get that that podium last year at Spa. We thought we saw him fill in for Lewis um, in the in the short track in the Oval Bahrain Grand Prix um, and almost win it. He almost came back twice and won it from uh, from from mistakes that pit stop mistake in the and the um, the flat tire. Um, so he's finally got that first win that he deserves. And, um, yeah, he's that man that's going to lead them for the years to come. He'll be the he, – Mercedes will be still hoping he's there in uh, in 10 years' time. And, and as for the Team B, um, obviously they're, they're not on Red Bull's um, results at the moment, but it is very impressive to see how they've been able to drag that car back from, from being nowhere – um, to be fighting for wins at the back end of the year. We then move on to our second last team. And, Tace, it is the Constructors' Champions in Oracle Red Bull Racing. And it has to be said that, save for the start of the year, them, Max Verstappen, were just simply unstoppable. Yeah, it was a frightening run to watch. It really just was, nothing could be done about it. It was shades of Vettel 2013 where he won every race in the second half of the season. It was just dominance and Ferrari were close-ish to stopping it, but Red Bull were too strong. The car was impressive. They dropped the weight over the course of the season and developed it strongly. Max is just a force to be reckoned with and Sergio was there to back him up when need be, so... Yeah, it was a, a fearful run from Red Bull. Hopefully we don't get too many more of those because otherwise we just enter another Mercedes era with Red Bull back on top. But um, yeah, that's that's what a Formula One team should look like. And, and Mirzi, a lot of credit for this has to go to the only person in the entire F1 paddock who actually has any experience working with ground effect. Well, when you can pull someone like Adrian Newey around and uh, say, hey, we're building a new car. Um, <laughs> do you want to have a look at it for us? Like, yeah, like they, they, they are certainly lucky in that. And it's not to say that they had it correct straight out of the box. They, they didn't, they had to work on it. Um, but as, as I was mentioning earlier with Ferrari, like, um, Ferrari were out there. They Red Bull would have been happy just to be coming back later in the year to, to be able to fight for the, the driver's championship. But the way that they just got that momentum they didn't take their foot off the throat off the throttle and just blew past them like they've had double DRS or something throughout the midpoint of the year. It, it is something special to watch. It is a team that that know what they're doing. Um, we we saw Ferrari implode in in strategy and and a lot of other things. We we saw Mercedes having to do so much work because of how bad their car was at the start of the year. I don't think they'll have it all their own way next year. I think being year two of the regulations, it's going to be mean that the teams are going to be a lot more across their cars at the start of the year. So they're just going to have to keep working hard. But when you've got a, a team like that uh, with, with Max on the role that he's on, you think that he could go on a, on a Lewis Hamilton type run now and, and win year after year, but it's always going to be that, that second 
driving spot, as long as Max is in that number one, it's going to be a contentious spot that I don't know, even I think even the most cool of drivers maybe not quite know how to handle the fire until they actually get into the kitchen themselves. There is one thing to take into consideration, though, Tace, and it is the announcement of um, Daniel Ricciardo to join as the test driver occurring at the same time that we've started to see the first cracks appear in the relationship between Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez, and they're not insignificant cracks either. Yeah, I love the timing of this. I think it's a great opportunity for Daniel. Uh, There's obviously been not a huge rift, but tension between him and the team since the 2018 departure and his own little Verstappen rift. But uh, if anything does escalate with Sergio or his performance drops off again, I'd be so happy to see Daniel injected back into that car and back next to Max and into race-winning machinery, hopefully. Um, So, yeah, great time. I think it's great for his future. He said he didn't want to compete again this year, uh, next year, sorry. A bit of a reset might be good for him and back to familiar territory. Yeah, just just to just to sort of cut in on that topic as well. It is, I think, it is a big thing for Sergio to say. Look, you got to play the Red Bull game. It is Max's team, and and Max has shown time and time again he knows that it's his team, and and it is hard for that second driver. Obviously, a lot of them have their only goods. They want to win the world title as well, but there's only so many cars out there that can even propel you to third in the championship. If Sergio does go, where there's not a lot of seats for him to sort of that are going to open up for him to get into. So it's almost that carrot that they can dangle as a sort of bargaining chip to Sergio when he might be going a bit too far down the complaining route. They say, well, we've got Daniel sitting here. If you don't like it, there's the door. But where else are you going to go that's going to give you these race results? And Mizzy, sticking with you very quickly, I mean, this is going to be pretty easy in terms of the gradings. You might get one surprise out of me. Max Verstappen, A+. Sergio, I gave a B. And Red Bull an A plus. Well, yeah, obviously the team gets an A plus. They weren't the best team at the beginning of the year, but they certainly were when they counted by the end of the year. I don't think Max could have done much much differently. I think that he's always going to create controversy because his ego gets him into those sort of places. And sorry to tell some people that you need that ego to get in these places. That's that's how it works. Um, I, I I still think that maybe they could have done a little bit more to help Sergio get number two in the championship, but that's by the by. I think by the time they'd won the drivers, they'd won the they'd won the constructors. They were sort of like, well, yeah, one and two would be great, but unless it falls into our lap, meh. But I think Sergio will that affect him maybe a little bit. I think he could have he could have been better this year. I think there were some times where he probably wasn't up to it and he just gone, well, I can't do any better than I'm in and I'll do up. But when he's on, he's on. He he is probably the best person for that spot and be that number two driver and he's shown it. But that mental side, that, that competitive side will always be there. And sometimes, unfortunately, to get that paycheck, to get those spots in the driver's championship, you got to be the number two. We saw it at Ferrari with with all the teammates to to Mick Schumacher. You knew who was number one, and whether you're Rubens Barrichello or any of those drivers that were in that number two car throughout that his time there. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was their lease in life. And it's do you want to finish second or third in the drivers' championship behind Michael, or do you want to be in a mid car team finishing in eighth? I think that's what Sergio needs to work out. Tace. 
Yeah, the matching ratings like Team A plus, pretty flawless. Verstappen A plus, ruthless, and yeah, just fifteen wins in a season is ridiculous. Um, Perez a B. Um, he could have done better, I feel. I do think that the uh, not getting the P2 in the championship may affect him. I, Christian multiple times in interviews referred to the team getting 1-2 uh, in the drivers for the first time ever, which is kind of crazy considering their dominance, but it was always 1-3 with like a, an Alonso or a Hamilton in between Vettel and Weber. So it'll be interesting to see how Perez starts off next year. Uh, hopefully not with guilt on his shoulders and a straight head on. If not, as you say, Ricardo's there waiting to take the seat from him. And finally, Mizzy, we're going to Williams Racing. Oh, save the best for last. Save the best for last, indeed. <laughs> um, and for mind, I think Alex Albon, for me, demonstrated why he deserves to be in Formula One this year. A hundred percent. He was just um, a victim of circumstance. I, I still am surprised that, that Nick DeVries ended up in that Alpha Terry Street and they didn't get Alex back into it. I really thought that was one going to be one of the options on the table because at one point he was only on loan to Williams. He was still under Red Bull contract. Um, even though he didn't have a Formula One drive, he was still under contract. But I believe for this year it was a bit looser, but obviously they decided to go with DeVries. But obviously I think that it would have been a swap anyway. I think both of them would have been in F1. They just would have been in the reverse seats. But Albon obviously enjoys it at Williams. But after seeing what George did in that Williams car um, throughout the last couple of years, it was a little bit disappointing. I think just as you love that underdog story that, yes, he drove well and he and he deserves to have that F1 seat. You would have just loved to see him a little bit further up the rankings and a little bit further up a few more points on the table. But now it's on Williams. They're getting everything. They're getting the they're getting all the the right pieces in play. That the, the Williams family no longer owns it. They've got the the conglomerate that does. Now they need to put that. It's another one like Aston Martin. They need to put that money into pace now and and really show that then they're, they're better than the than the tenth place team. And for taste, I think the the other the flip side you've got now is that Nicholas Latifi. Now that there's money at Williams, he really has now become superfluous to his needs, and it's no surprise that he's been replaced by Logan Sargent. Yeah, if he'd put in some performances that somewhat justified retaining him, then maybe. But yeah, the need for pay drivers is largely redundant now. Um, his talent just wasn't there. I've, I've, I really can't think of any highlight moments from him this year that didn't become a meme or just get laughed at, the, at in the moment. So yeah, Latifi had his run. He had his time in Formula One. He showed what he could do, but we'll see what Sargent can do now because I can't imagine it could be much worse. And, and not only that, but going through who's left there. And if Alex Albon does get snapped up, Mirzi, you then go back to Williams and go, well, then who's there left? And if, you, if you're if you thinking that, that other teams are struggling, wait till you see this from Williams in terms of who they've got lined up. Dan ticked them, as we know. He's out. He got kicked out of the academy. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. The only ones left then are Jamie Chadwick and Roy Nassani and really – what, Jack Aiken, just Jack Aiken oh, as well. Jack Aiken, maybe, but he's going to need another year to come back from his injury. Yeah, but he's in the mix. As I said, we did see him fill in when um, when George went up to Mercedes uh, last year, but 
again, it's one of those ones where that talent pool, I think there's just so many options now for the, that talent pool. And we've seen that generation come in and the next wave just aren't on the same level as well. And you, you've seen some of those good, those good drivers that were on the, in the same classes as Russell and, and all those, they're going to Indy, they're going to all these other places. And then now the next crop are coming through and there's just, there's not that talent there again. Logan Sargent's an interest, interesting one, obviously American driver. We'll have three races in America next year with the, with the introduction of Vegas. That's that he's there to be the American driver. Um, he did look all right when, when I when I watched him in FP1. I think he's it's not going to be hard to be better than Latifi, really. Um, but he'll be he'll be an interesting to one to watch next year. But they need to do better, Williams. They said that they're getting the cash flow now. They now need to turn that into pace and 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 whether they're going to return to the Williams of old the, in the nineties and and we all remember the. the what they did then, but it, they shouldn't be last. Just for all old school F1 fans, Williams should not be finishing last. Tace, in terms of the gradings, we're going to get the first one out of the way. I think it's going to be wall-to-wall Fs for Nicholas Latifi. Surely there's something um, less than an F. F minus. Oh, <laughs> um, for mine, I gave Williams a D plus. You know, they went backwards in the development that they had last year. They They've shown some consistency getting closer to those points paying positions. I gave Alex Albon a B. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of bias. I like him. But for mine, I thought the performance that really stood out for me, Tace, and you probably remember it well, the performance at the Australian Grand Prix where he famously went for 56 of the 57 laps on hard tyres before pitting at the start of the last lap and finishing 10th. I was going to mention it. That's the reason I'm giving him an A. That blew my mind. I remember Vettel did it in like 2012 or something at Monza, ran the whole race and pit on the last lap. But it it was very phenomenal. For that Williams car, which was the whole race languishing down the back, um, they were fighting with the Aston Martins at the time who were not quick. Um, that was phenomenal. That was such a great management of his tyres. And he was still quick. He still had pace to maintain his 10th place on that last lap. So yeah, Albon gets an A for me. Uh, the team get a D coming from where Russell and Latifi were sometimes fighting. Well, more Russell were sometimes fighting for points last year and had a decent haul and weren't on the bottom of the table to go back there again. Uh, it's disappointing, especially yeah, as an old school team and having the history that they have and the world championships that they have this spell of poor performance, you would think should be over by now. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, hang on. Uh, Mirzi, we've got to come back to you. Sorry. The last oh. one. The last say. The last say. Yeah, quickly, Albon B. Um, great to see him back in F1. He he shows that he should be a driver. He just needs the team to get better. Nothing else to say. I think we all agree Latifi is an F. Um, and Williams, again, they just, they're they one of those teams. They just need to turn their, their money into pace. And you'll see. I reckon. Then. then uh, as much as we, the romantic in us says we'd love to see them back into the old uh, the the Williams Renault days where they're up the top and they had the the BTCC cars and all that stuff. So that's not going to happen. But they, they, you you want to see them at least in the midfield and and they have the Mercedes engine. They they have the they have the resource now. Hopefully next year you'll see them come off the bottom of the of the ladder. But I'd still have to give Williams a D. I, I still think that. 
yeah, whatever whatever spirit they had when George was there and, and they could get in these positions, it just seemed a bit lacking this year. Hopefully a year with the car, get the time in the wind tunnel, get some get some work done in the factory and they can be quicker next year. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is a full time here on Splinters. What an episode that was. We went, we've, it feels like we've actually gone an entire race distance with this podcast itself. That's how much distance we managed nah, it to wasn't cover as long. It wasn't as long as the, uh, the, it wasn't as long as the New South Wales Rugby League wrap when we had Kutnyak here. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, we that's still need a couple indeed. more minutes to get to that one. But, um, Mirzi, what great to have you back on. Of course, we're, we've got you for one more episode yep. this year, which will be in a couple of weeks' times when we do our BBL preview. And who knows, we might have a couple of special guests joining us as well. I hope so. Obviously, we, we get some great cricket ones and we, we get some good love for our cricket podcast. So hopefully we do that. Always enjoy, always a good, enjoyable time when it's uh, BBL time. You know it's Christmas is coming. You know it's going to be holidays time. And uh, look forward to uh, my last contractual appearance on Splinters for 2022. And Tace, thank you very much for joining us here. We might have you coming back on for the Triple H Sports Awards. And I know you've got your eyes in particular on handing out some wood ducks. Yeah, yes, mate. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be back. I'm keen for the awards. Uh, keen for next year's season as well. The the driver lineup for next year is quite different. New regulations, bit of experience with them. So the future's looking bright. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is a full time here and the checkered flag on Splinters, the bench podcast here on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcast. On behalf of Matt Mears and Tace Wiggins, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.